Hope you had a great long weekend. No acknowledgement of Memorial Day. Kamala Harris, Joe Biden. Oh, yeah. Hope you have a great long weekend. Does anybody know why we had a long weekend? We talked a little bit about this. I said, look, we're all busy. Everybody I know is busy. Everybody's got crazy lives. Finally, we're getting a sense of, of normal life again. Normalcy is coming back. You know, the, the, the no mask. I went into the store. I went shopping. I didn't put a mask on yesterday. Am I supposed to have one on in New York? I don't even know the laws anymore. I just had it. And half the store didn't have it on. And nobody was screaming at me to put my mask on. Unbelievable. Um, we're going to get to all of this today. I, I, you, you are not going to believe the there's a private school in New York City. There's a lot of private schools in New York City. The reason you have all these expensive private schools, you pay about the amount you'd pay for a college education. And to get into these schools, you've got to kiss more ass and suck up to more people. I mean, it is a a parent's nightmare to get your kid into a decent private school in, in New York. It's it's frankly all ridiculous to me. But the reason parents are so desperate to get their kids into these private schools that they're paying a fortune for is because the New York City public school system sucks so bad that you're, you're giving your child the decided disadvantage educationally if you send your kid to a, to a public school. It's just you, you can't have a worse public school system except maybe Baltimore, which has 13 public high schools with no, not a single child proficient in math and, and reading. Uh, it, you, it's like this unholy alliance, teachers unions, Democrats, you, they donate mass quantities of money to Democrats to get them elected so then they can write CDC policy on COVID. That's how insane this all gets. Anyway, when you hear these, they're actually, there's a private school known as the Dalton School. In New York City, the Dalton School, highly prestigious educational facility for the rich and the wealthy in New York. Okay. So you got the, the now they're teaching six-year-olds and first graders. They're showing the masturbation videos. I mean, I've been in a big fight with my team all day. I'm like, don't bleep it out. And they're like, no, we better bleep it out. I'm like, no, don't bleep it out. I said, just play it. I said, people won't believe it if they hear it. Well, if we do that, there might be kids that hear it. This, they always appeal to the... The kid question. I'm like, okay, I'll give a warning. I'll tell people I'm going to play it. Five, four, three, two, one. They're like, still, what if a kid hears it? And I'm like, I'm, so we had a big fight team-wise. And I said, fine, let's put it for a vote. I lost. So we'll give you the bleeped out version. And on TV, now I'm going to have to fight the fight there to air the whole video without bleeps. But if it's something that I have to bleep on the radio or bleep on television... Why, why, why the hell are our kids having to see this, this garbage in school? How about we focus on reading, writing, math, maybe art, maybe a little physical education. How's that? Let's just stick with the basics. Maybe they can learn a second language, third language, study hard. I don't know. Maybe I'm just too old fashioned. Thank God I'm not raising kids now. Good grief. All right, we're going to get to that. So it looks like Kamala Harris or Joe Biden, like none of them have a rapport with our men and women in the military. I'll read from the Daily Mail. Kamala Harris woke joke about female Marines fell flat during her commencement speech at the Naval Academy on Friday. You know, first woman to deliver the keynote commencement address at the Naval Academy made sure to reference female empowerment 
And you're, you are electrical engineers who will soon help convert solar and wind energy into power, convert solar and wind en- energy into combat power. And just ask any Marine today, would she rather carry 20 pounds of batteries or a rolled-up solar panel? And I'm positive they're going to tell you the solar panel, and so would he. And then she burst into that, that ridiculous laugh that she usually makes. And, you know, barely any any clapping. So, anyway, finally on Saturday, she paid tribute to the fallen uh, for Memorial Day, the long weekend. Enjoy the long weekend. Because there was so much criticism. There's a reason we have a long weekend, Kamala. And the long weekend, it's called Memorial Day. You know what Memorial Day is? You know, on, on this Memorial Day, I see many of our vets here. Like that's like Obama, Navy corpsmen. I, it's just how did these people ever get elected? You just can't even make this up. All around the world, Navy corpsman Christian Bashar, and lying on a gurney aboard the USNS Comfort, a woman asked Christopher, "Where do you come from? What country?" And in Creole, a corpsman Bashar responded, "In Tanzini, the United States of America." Army vet Brian Mass, congressman, slammed both Biden and Harris for their far cry from Memorial Day tweets. And it's a far cry from incredible words and speeches that I've heard from people like Ronald Reagan. And you think back to his hero speech. And for those who think there are no more heroes in this world, they just don't know where to look. I mean, it's it, it went crazy. I think Ron DeSantis got some play. Because, uh, as Red State said, he literally schooled Kamala Harris and Joe Biden on what the long weekend is for and what it's all about. You know, how do you miss the point of a holiday? Apparently needing a reminder what the purpose of the holiday is, what the long weekend is all about, that our tweet left completely out. Anyway, then, of course, Joe goes out and he lost, you know, his notes. I, I mean, you can't make it up anymore. And he literally gets to the point where he lost his notes. He lost his place. But um, um, there's, you know, um, th- there's to be, you know, uh, beginning um, this effort uh, for 2021 is uh, I'm like, oh, my gosh. Can you imagine Vladimir Putin, Vladimir Putin saying, yeah, the, the Russians are now warning it's going to be uncomfortable when they meet. Joe Biden and they oh and then oh my gosh did you see this video of we'll show it tonight a creepy Joe I mean there's let's just listen to it it's better on video but just listen to this I'm especially honored to share the stage with Brittany and Jordan and Nathan and Margaret Catherine I uh, I love those barrettes in her hair man I tell you what and look at her. She looks like she's 19 years old, sitting there with her, like a little lady in a race car. Brittany, you're doing triple duty as a veteran, a military spouse, and a teacher. Stop right there. I, 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 you know, oh, I love those barrettes in your hair, man. I'll tell you what. You know, look at her. She looks like she's 19, sitting there like a little lady with her legs crossed. Okay. That is beyond creepy. That's just typical creepy Joe. And just a typical creepy Joe line. And and then my favorite this week, you know, I tweeted out. Somebody sent this to me, and I had to get permission, of course, for my team to tweet out anything. 
you know, Jen Psaki claiming, oh, no, you're not seeing what you think you're seeing with these rising gas prices. No, that's not what it is, because she said on Friday gas prices have stabilized and and said, you know, it's well in line with recent decades. No, it's not, Jen. No, it's not. Gas prices are going dramatically higher and they're going higher and we're losing high paying career energy jobs because of your boss the one that you admitted when you were a commentator is a cognitive mess. That guy uh, was supposed to be happy. You know, we were averaging $2.40 at the end of January. Now we're up 65 cents since then, according to the AAA. Yeah, that's a massive increase per gallon of gasoline thanks to your idiotic policies. Great job. Uh, seriously. You know, we're paying more for everything. That's why then you add inflation to it. Then you add the high taxes to it. You know, by New York Times, Biden plans middle class tax hike just before Memorial Day's expected to propose World War II levels of spending. Six trillion dollars. His his budget removes language blocking taxpayer funded abortion. So we'll pay for that. He requests no additional money for the Department of Homeland Security. Uh, even though we have a 21-year high in border crossings. When accounting for inflation, yeah, the Defense Department is ultimately getting cuts if we use circle back Jen Psaki's logic. And by the way, has anyone noticed that, you know, not only does Joe start his day at 9.30 every day and have, on average, only one scheduled event a day, but he just disappears on the weekend back to his Delaware home. For, for even more, you know, warm, milky, sippy cup time, night, night, bedtime stories. I, I, it's he's been in he's been in Delaware nine weekends, past five weekends at the presidential retreat. Cam David, this guy barely works, which may actually be a good thing. And I'm 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 telling you, it's not going to go good with Putin. Putin Putin is going to school Joe and own Joe. And he's going to see just how messed up he is. And he's going to make assessments based on it. Then you can add to this the bombshell that they dropped. Uh, yeah, going just going into the holiday weekend. You know, the, why do you have a long weekend? The Memorial Day weekend. And it got lost. Yeah, now he's planning to make his tax increases retro- retroactive. Oh, this is great. Biden administration finally leaked late Thursday on the eve of the long weekend holiday for Memorial Day uh, that the new high capital gains tax rate is going to apply to all gains on all assets sold after the introduction of the Americans family plan in April. So much for giving investors an opportunity to plan. It's basically if the law is the law when you make a financial decision and they change the law retroactively, that's just figuring out a way to legally steal more people of people's money. I mean, that's out. There's no other way to put it. Biden's now the most obvious transparent media mob lie is to claim Donald Trump's policies favored Russia. Just the opposite was true. Energy dominance of America achieved under Trump. We'd never achieved this in 75 years, energy independence. And Republicans and Democratic presidents, they've been giving the way, away the store to China for 30 years. Yeah, Trump stood up to China. He stood up to Russia. 
And Joe Biden takes away the building of our pipeline, those high paying career jobs, and then gives a waiver to Vladimir Putin so he could build his pipeline so he can have all the economic control over our allies in Western Europe. How do you explain that? And how is there no outrage about that? And now they're finally admitting that their six trillion dollars spending plan is going to Oh, produce uh, Obama era slow growth, because on Friday, when nobody's paying attention, they released the budget proposal, which showed uh, only modest economic growth projections over the next decade. In spite of the six trillion dollars, the White House expects growth to slow to one point eight or one point nine percent for the rest of the decade. Before it may reach two percent in 20 or uh, 30 or 2031. Well, Obama was the first president never to have a single year over 3% GDP growth. It was the worst economic plan ever, and now he's doubling down and tripling down on stupid. You can't make this stuff up. But we do have smoking gun photos now showing Joe Biden meeting with Hunter's shady business associates. Thanks to the New York Post, you got photos of Joe Biden with a pair of uh, Hunter, zero experience, and his business associates from Kazakhstan in what appears to be the same D.C. power dining spot where Hunter introduced the future president to other overseas cronies. Isn't that nice? But I don't know anything. I've never talked to my son about his overseas business dealings. That's what Joe says. And the media laps it up. Imagine if the last name was Trump. You'd have a full-fledged investigation, grand juries convened, impeachment talk, uh, you know, through the roof. I'm really worried about the future of this country more than ever before. Never felt this sense of doom and gloom and and the idea that these differences are irreconcilable. How do you reconcile socialism with capitalism? You know, masturbation videos for sixth graders or not. Funding the police or not funding the police. Packing the courts, not packing the courts. Ending energy independence and, and this, this maddened race to the new Green Deal insanity. How do we reconcile these? Where do you begin your talk about compromise? I see more and more people, you know, I'm just looking at these issues. We'll, we'll play these tapes from this Dalton School for six-year-olds, first graders on, on masturbation coming up. And, I, I, you know, I, I really made the editorial decision to just play them. And then I had this mass, you know, rebellion building among my radio team not to play them without bleeping some of it. And I'm like, why? They're playing it to first graders. It's a cartoon. Why are you so afraid to let people hear what they're actually doing? And we'll do that after the news at the bottom of the hour. So Schumer's forcing a vote on SR1, which I like, saying it's essential to defending our democracy. Yeah, he's talking about no voter ID, photo identification whatsoever, no signature verification. You're not even allowed to clean up the voting rolls. Everybody is automatically registered. Even even felons get to vote. And it would require require states to implement all of this same day registration. None of the checks and balances that would ensure integrity in elections Ever. And he wants it in perpetuity, just like D.C. statehood, Puerto Rico statehood, packing the courts and 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 getting rid of the legislative filibuster. OK, how do we resolve these issues? I don't I don't see how. 
All right, quick break. Right back. All right, we'll play the tapes next. All right, before we get to these Dalton School masturbation tapes for first graders, six years old, six year olds, well, uh, I want to make you aware of this. Uh, it was only two weeks ago the entire gasoline supply in the East Coast of the United States was cut in half by these ransomware hack attacks, sending pump prices even higher than they had already been going because of Biden's horrific new Green Deal energy policies. It's happened again, and this time to our beef supply. Remember, Democrats, you know, all these, by the way, how how is the the earth-warming fanatics this weekend with the worst weather ever for Memorial Day that I can think of. 50 degrees, raining, pouring every single day. Oh, so much for climate change. Um, but everything's now climate change. First, first it was the new ice age is coming. Then the earth is going to burn into a little ball. And uh, now we'll just say uh, climate change. So that covers whether things get cooler or warmer and we get to push the real agenda, which is the new Green Deal socialism agenda. Anyway, there is JBS is the name of a company, and it is the world's largest meat supplier hit by a cyber attack that shut down their plants in Australia and Canada. And again, just weeks after the colonial pipeline shut down. Uh, but their five biggest beef plants in the U.S., which altogether handle 22,500 cattle a day, have stopped processing following a weekend attack on the company's computer networks. According to JBS posts on Facebook and labor unions and employees, quote, these outages alone have wiped out nearly a fifth of America's beef production. Slaughter operations across Australia were also down, according to a trade group. One of Canada's largest beef plants idled for a second day. Unclear how many plants globally now have been impacted by this attack. They haven't given out any of the details yet, but the prospect of more extensive shutdowns around the world is already upending agricultural markets and raising concerns about food security as hackers increasingly target critical infrastructure. In the U.S., JBS accounts for about a quarter of all U.S. beef capacity, roughly a fifth of all pork capacity. Livestock futures slumped while pork prices were rising. They suspended their North American and Australian computer systems after what is an organized assault uh, on some of their servers. The Brazilian meat giant said Monday in an emailed statement without commenting on operations at its plants. They said this may delay certain transactions. Remember, remember the discussion about limiting beef consumption during the campaign? Remember that? Uh, remember, I think it was Ocasio Cortez. I think Kamala Harris may have also. I'll get these. I'll get. I'll. I'll find their quotes that they made in the past. That you know, flatulence, green, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, and flatulence of cows, etc. I mean, they want to tell you how much meat you can eat. And this is how nuts things are getting. So, anyway, let me see if I can give you a, a primer on. The New York City school system, it's a disaster. I mean, maybe second to Baltimore, where they have 13 public high schools. They're the, we spend per capita, it's the second highest city in terms of, in the world, in terms of per capita dollars 
per student that we spend on education with the worst results. 13 public high schools in Baltimore don't have a, a, one single child proficient in math and reading. Not one. How do you fail at that spectacular level? Well, it's the unholy alliance, teachers unions, and the Democratic Party, and it, it benefits the teachers unions. They donate a fortune every election season to Democratic candidates, and as a result, they even get to write CDC policy on COVID to keep teachers out of the classroom during a pandemic. It's, it's a pretty great unholy alliance. Apparently, the last consideration are your children. So when you're in these failing districts like New York City, many districts failing, parents, you have no idea the process. If you don't live in New York City, and I never lived there, so I didn't have this problem, but and you hear the stories from parents about trying to get little Johnny or Susie into a private school, you, you can't even begin to believe it. You know, first you got to get the kid into the perfect nursery school. So that the kid can get into the perfect kindergarten. So then the kid, they actually apply and you have to have recommendations and you have to sit for it. The kids have to sit for interviews and, and usually they, they, they're expecting donations on top of it all. And the whole system is just, you cannot believe there's more ass you have people's asses. You got to kiss in the process. It's ridiculous. You know, know the right people, get the right recommendations, get in the right school. Anyway. And then the schools cost, you know, upwards of what you'd pay for college, 50, 60, 70 grand a year for, for first grade, for kindergarten. It's madness. But the parents are so desperate to get their kids out of the failing public schools that they're fighting and, and clawing away, trying to get their kids into the, some of the better private schools that they have. Anyway. So one such school is known as the Dalton School, highly prestigious, $55,000 a year. Anyway, they've been teaching these kids sex education. In the sex education for first graders, six-year-olds, it includes lessons on masturbation. Um, and anyway, so the New York Post broke this story to their, to their credit. And anyway, so... They did an expose on all of this, and I guess they have this health and wellness educator by the name of Justine Ang Fonte, by the way, who last month led a controversial explicit porn literacy workshop at another elite school. But after their expose on the porn class, Dalton parents bombarded the school with more complaints about this woman, this person's curriculum. And the Post then got videos, and we'll show you on Hannity tonight, of the cartoon that Fonte is using in one of her sex ed classes for six-year-olds in first grade, uh, showing little kids talking about, quote, touching themselves for pleasure. And, you know, sometimes my a male body part begins with a P, uh, gets big. Sometimes it points in the air, asks the little boy in the cartoon leading to an explanation of what an erection is. The boy nods and says, sometimes I touch it because it feels good. Then a girl chimes in. Sometimes I'm in the bathroom when my mom puts me to bed. I like to touch myself. And she uses another word. Uh, and then Fonte is reassuring parents. Well, I don't directly explicitly use the word masturbation in the class as if, oh, that makes it all better. Anyway, they talk. 
other lessons, but you got to hear it to believe it. Now I'm, I'm, I'm playing it this way under protest because Linda and company rallied the troops and said, yeah, I don't think there's going to be kids in the car. And even if you give a warning that parents are going to hear it, then they're going to hear this go out and then the kids are going to ask questions and they're going to say, can I just hold on a second? That's not what I'm saying. True. Everything I said, I wanted to play it unedited. No, but let me tell you why. Because we're saying they don't have a right to teach our kids. Neither do we. We're, okay, that liberty belongs is, to parents. But, giving, but adults listen to this show. This is not a show designed for children. Some adults drive their kids home Most from school in this hour. Most six-year-olds probably don't know who the president is. That's my guess, especially with our educational system and its current state. I don't agree with that, but... Yeah, obviously, because you led a rebellion against me today. <laughs> a behind-the-scenes rebellion. My goodness. Well, that's exactly what happened. And then I finally said, okay, let's vote on it. And already, and the, it's, the vote was stacked. It was like HRSR1. It's a democracy. Sometimes it's it doesn't demo- work no, out. No, your it's way. not. This is, a, this is a Hannity dictatorship. Is it a dictatorship? Joking, by the okay. way, for people in the media mob. Uh-huh. Uh, anyway, let, let's play the stupid edited version, but you'll get the point of it, the gist of it. Listen. Pass it, Squeaks. Whoa, watch it. You almost hit me in the peepee. <laughs> What's so funny, you two? He said pee-pee. <laughs> Do you notice that when you say pee-pee, you giggle, but when you say you say it in a serious voice? I never noticed that before. Some children and adults feel uncomfortable when they talk about their private parts, so they make up cute or funny names for them. What's one for a girl's private parts? but what does scoops mean when he says he means that's right kayla it's important to use the proper words for our private parts why because our private parts are just as amazing as our hearts lungs brains or any other of our amazing body parts but our hearts pump blood our lungs breathe and our brains think all our private parts do is pee That's not entirely true, Scoops. It is true that a person pees or urinates through a hole called the in the Does everyone have a They do. It can be harder to see, but girls have a tiny hole in the front of the where urine comes out from their Urination is actually very important. It helps us get rid of waste, stuff our body doesn't need. Hey, how come my gets big sometimes and points up in the air. That's called an Sometimes I touch my because it feels good. Sometimes when I'm in my bath or when mom puts me to bed, I like to touch my too. You have a there, Kayla, that probably feels good to touch the same way Keith's feels good when he touches it. But have you ever noticed that older kids and grown-ups don't touch their private parts in public? Hmm, they don't? That's right, Keith. It's okay to touch yourself and see how different body parts feel, but it's best to only do it in private. Well, if private parts are so special, why do you cover them up? Because they are private, silly. That's right, Kayla. Because they are private. Hey, Squeaks, pass it. Wait. Okay, I'm ready. And that's our lesson today, first graders, on peep and veep. You know, unbelievable. Oh, now they're also teaching cons- lessons about consent. 
Now, some parents are saying, yeah, well, that's not a bad idea. You want to make sure people don't touch kids inappropriately. You got to have that conversation with kids. I don't disagree. And but they're telling them that anybody that touches you at all has to grant permission. So literally some to let their grandfather hug her when he sees her. And then the, the other lessons for first graders include gender assigned at birth versus gender identity versus gender expression. You know, kids apparently have no less than uh, five classes on gender identity. One mother said this is pure indoctrination. This person absolutely has no right whatsoever to be teaching children. And she teaches about consent, yet she never got consent from parents about the sexually explicit age inappropriate material about transgender and, and masturbation of first graders. We're furious. Another mother told the New York Post, we're horrified to learn that this is being shown to you know, first grade six-year-olds without our knowledge, without our consent. But then they go on to say, but then it's where they're afraid to fight back. Because these are such highly coveted schools where you actually get an, a, a decent education, especially compared to the New York City public schools. So now they're afraid they're going to get canceled and then the, the kids suffer because the kids will be out of school. I mean, so they don't know what to do, I guess. I guess one probably one more answer is get the hell out of New York. But what do I know? I'm not against sex education, but uh, why are we keeping parents in the dark about it? By the way, if they can do learn first, learn reading, writing, math and, and the things that matter. Why don't they let if parents are uncomfortable talking about this stuff with their kids? How about you have an opt in after school program? They can teach all the masturbation classes they want to the parents of kids that are cool with that. Why don't we do it that way? Anyway, so then, you know, the Dalton administrators say, oh, this is only a small group of parents. I know for a fact it's not a small group, that they're up in arms about it. And we're not confused. We're just seeing, you know, how insane this has gotten. Anyway, apparently funded by a $450,000 grant. Last week, the New York Post reported on this person's workshop, Porn Literacy, an intersectional focus on mainstream porn porn at Columbia Grammar and Prep School. A grammar school. Apparently very explicit. Slide presentation, lecture to co-ed juniors about, you know, how porn takes three big male vulnerability statistics on the orgasm gap showing, and it goes on from there. You get the point. And, and it just gets worse. Now, apparently, the U.N., uh, yeah, the United Nations, which we fund the most of because we're a stupid country. They're now saying por- pornography is good for kids, fine for kids. You know, in the report, say the U.N., Ch- UNICEF, no evidence porn does any harm to youngsters. Oh, I guess we're going to post to what? Now, as good parents show our kids porn? What's the age uh, appropriateness of that? Six years old? These people are nuts. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, toll free. Our number is 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Uh, But not to scare everybody, but China confirming the first human case of H10N3 bird flu in their report, now detected in China, according to reports. 
Uh, I mean, I can't believe it. Anyway, the first hospitalization that they're reporting, God only knows if it's true, is on April 28th after developing fever and other symptoms and then diagnosed with this version or this, I guess, mutation or variant of of bird flu. Um, It's unclear how he became infected, but uh, apparently they're claiming it's a less severe strain of the virus and poultry. Uh, we'll find out, I guess, over over time. Uh, we now have the U.K. is at least doing what Joe Biden was reluctant to do last week, and that is do their own assessment of the COVID lab leak theory. Uh, they now say that, yeah, it's very feasible. That's the way it happened. China warned the Biden-ordered probe into the Wuhan lab leak theory could could be America's Waterloo and compares new COVID investigation to search for, you know, WMDs in Iraq. I mean, you know, is Joe going to let China intimidate him forever? Just like they schooled and lectured America on human rights when they met in Anchorage, Alaska. I mean, this is why having a weak president, a cognitively weak president, a frail president matters. China state media after Biden calls for a probe, finally, only because of outside pressure from shows like this and, and the American people. China must prepare for nuclear war with the U.S., I'm like, oh, that's great. Uh, And Moscow, by the way, to Biden. Yeah, Russia to send a number of uncomfortable signals to the U.S. in coming days. There's nobody that that fears Joe Biden. Now, we have uh, this article. We've talked a lot about gain of function research. Flip flop Fauci. In 2012, we now found a quote of his where Fauci's arguing that the risks of a lab accident sparking a pandemic are outweighed by the potential benefits of manipulating viruses via gain-of-function research, according to previously unsurfaced remarks that, that he had made in The Australian. It's unlikely but conceivable what if science, what if science, that scientist becomes infected with the virus, which leads to an outbreak that ultimately triggers a pandemic, he wrote. Well, many ask the reasonable question, given the possibility of such a scenario. However, should the initial experiments have been performed or published in the first place? He said scientists working in the field, as indeed have said that the benefits of such experiments, in other words, gain of function, meaning altering the viruses, changing them as a means of protecting us against them. He's saying it's worth the risk of a lab accident, which would spark a pandemic. I'm not sure how. You know, lab leaks happen all the time. Apparently, the the former FDA commissioner says calling for a probe into the origins of the virus. You know, then we have all these cuts of Fauci warning that that dual use research gain of function has the potential for malevolent applications and warning in 2012 that this dual use research gain of function might get into the hands with those with ill intent. Listen to him say both of these things. As you mentioned in your statement, the issue at hand is the ongoing threat of the emergence of an H5N1 pandemic influenza and the research that was supported by the NIH to address this threat. The conduct and publication of the results of such research in the form of the two manuscripts that you mentioned has focused considerable public attention on the issue of dual-use research, namely research that is directed at providing new information critical to the public health, but at the same time has the potential for malevolent applications. My written testimony is submitted for the record, and in my few minutes of time, I will highlight just a few important aspects of this issue. Since transmissibility of a virulence virus was increased, this constitutes dual-use research of concern, or DERC, 
All right, joining us now, Senator Rand Paul has been way ahead of the curve and on the issue of the origins of the COVID-19 virus and the NIH funding it and pretty much has nailed Anthony Fauci is not telling the truth on any of this. Uh, now that this has been discovered, your reaction, Senator Paul? Dr. Fauci's point of view that gain-of-function research is worth the risk, that a pandemic may occur, that it could escape the lab, but it's worth the risk, is so naive as it as to really preclude him from being in any position of authority. We certainly can't have him investigating himself. You know, he was in charge and of appointing and in the middle of the investigation of whether it happened in the Wuhan lab. They all dismissed it, but they also have culpability because they were funding the lab. So they can't be honest. They can't say they have no conflict of interest. Well, first, he denied funding the lab. Did, didn't he directly deny any of it? NIH money going to fund the lab and then said, well, then later it's a possibility that it went to fund gain of research functions. He's, he's parsing words. He's, he's not denying that the NIH money went there. It sounded like that, but he never said that. He said it didn't go for gain of function. But we have scientists who are in this field of study, cellular biology, who look at this gain-of-function application, the application of the NIH, and they say that absolutely it involved gain-of-function. So I think he's gotten beyond trying to deny the money went. He's now just saying, oh, it went, but it wasn't for gain-of-function. But everybody in the world now believes that they were doing gain-of-function, which means making super viruses, making animal viruses that do not normally infect humans, making them more transmissible in humans, and then we have this terrible accident. This should be a wake-up call for the world. We have 11 labs in the United States still doing gain-of-function research. We should stop this and stop it now. It does not impair vaccine manufacturing. We can do a DNA or an RNA sequence of a virus in a day, and we can create an mRNA vaccine in three weeks without doing super viruses. They are not using these super viruses to create vaccines. They should be stopped, and we should stop this research immediately. Okay. Now let's go back, because you confronted Fauci on this very issue recently. Let's play it. We have 11 labs doing it, and you have allowed it here. We have a committee to do it, but the committee has granted every exemption. You're, you're fooling with Mother Nature here. You're allowing super viruses to be created with a 15% mortality. It's very dangerous. I think it was a huge mistake to share this with China. But again, we have not funded gain-of-function research on this virus in the Wuhan Institute of Virology, you're, no matter how parsing many times words, you're parsing you say words, it, there it was research. Happen. There was research done with Dr. Xi and Dr. Barrick. They have collaborated on gain-of-function research where they enhanced the SARS virus to infect human airway cells, and they did it by merging a new spike protein on it. That is gain-of-function. That was joint research between the Wuhan Institute and Dr. Barrick. You can't deny it. Now, there's also emails, uh, apparently, now that we've gotten through the Freedom of Information Act, that explicitly point out that that he was joining and communicating with leading researchers in China early on during the pandemic and was actually warned by them that his position on what not wearing masks was the wrong position. Did you see that? Yes. And the thing is, as he said as recently as this last week, that he still trusts the Chinese uh, scientists. The problem is that that's once again naive. Does he think these Chinese scientists are only scientists and that there are no generals or military people involved with that lab? So I truly believe that they also have a military presence in these labs and that they are used for possible weaponization. 
I don't know that for sure, but I do believe that that is occurring. And the thing is, is he says, oh, I trust the scientists. He still says that to this day. He should not be directing funds because he still believes in gain of function. He's on record with the Washington Post saying that he thinks gain of function is worth it, not just in 2012, in 2014. And then he also approved exemptions for gain of function research since then. He, he really needs to be outside of government. Everything he has done, everything he has touched has, has been rotten to the core. Well, what part of, of China being a hostile regime are people having a hard time understanding here, Senator? Because I, I can't figure this out. The fact that, well, the, the fact that China had their travel ban, and nobody seems to talk about this part. They had a travel ban in place that you couldn't travel from anywhere in Wuhan province to anywhere else in China or from anywhere else in China to Wuhan province, but you can leave Wuhan province and go anywhere else in the world. Isn't that the greatest indication the Chinese knew, the Chinese government knew, the communist Chinese government knew, that in fact that there was a danger associated with it and they were only willing to protect themselves? Of course, and if you doubt uh, whether or not there's freedom in China, Google Tiananmen Square and look at the young man holding his hand up as a tank's about to run over him. Um, they have no freedom there. They have no freedom. They have some economic freedom, but no political freedom. But you've got to believe that the military and the government has tight control of that lab and that we'll never know the truth because they're going to be dishonest. But there's a lot of things pointing to this. One, we found no animal host for COVID-19, no intermediate host, and it doesn't seem to infect bats. It seems to infect humans better than any other species, you know, Every other virus that we found, we found an animal host for before it got to humans. We haven't found that. They tested every animal in that wet market, all those exotic animals that they eat. They were all tested. No animal was positive for COVID-19. So the evidence points strongly towards the lab, and Dr. Fauci says he still trusts them. So this is a problem. Dr. Fauci, I think we cannot trust his judgment but we also need to make sure that he is not put in charge of any investigation. He should have nothing to do with it because he approved the funding. So he has a conflict of interest. It's dear to his heart not to have anything come out of the lab because he would then be culpable for having funded the lab. So didn't we know from the beginning that this lab in Wuhan, that that lab specifically dealt with coronaviruses? Yes. and uh, but I, have to <laughs> I mean, say that my I mean then why, why did the media start with... This is a debunked talking point. Well, because science has become politicized. Everything in government, the COVID pandemic, everything, all the lockdowns, everything became politicized. And the left, basically, look, you know this, Facebook and Twitter have not allowed anybody to doubt the origin of where the virus came from. It's been an untruth. But then somehow the Ministry of Truth met over at Facebook and Twitter and decided now it's okay to say it. They still discourage you from saying it, but now it's no longer a, a lie. So, yeah, the left has completely politicized the science, and that's, you know, we're stuck in a loop here where finding objective truth, even about the pandemic, is hard because one side is so committed to a partisan, a partisan storyline. Well, just like the January 6th insurrection. I mean, we, th there's no way Democrats are capable of, of doing anything objectively anymore, and I just don't trust them. Um, let me ask you specifically. Now, you, I think, were the first senator that, that came out publicly that you had contracted COVID-19. By the way, I would have supported your medical privacy and your right to keep that between you and your doctor, but you chose to tell the public. Uh, you did fine. You discussed the, the therapeutics that you used at the time. 
Um, you tried to help people, but now you're also very publicly saying that you feel having the antibodies, the natural antibodies, even as those numbers go down naturally in one's body, that you believe in T-cell immunity, that, that in other words, even if your antibodies were non-existent or they couldn't measure them at some point, that there still is a memory and it's called T-cell antibodies. And you explained that the last time you were on the program, you might want to go back and explain your decision not to get the vaccine having contracted the virus. Well, I think it's tea his own. I had a very mild variant of first time, and uh, I have some immunity now. I may have had some immunity before. Um, I may have enough immunity that I can't catch it, or I may have enough immunity that I could get a mild version. But the reason it makes a difference public policy-wise right now is India has a billion people. They're never going to have enough vaccines. So if we're kind of giving them advice from the United States, should we advise them to immunize people who have already gotten the disease or maybe say that and immunize people who haven't gotten the disease? So this is a profound question, and it could save millions of lives in India. But people like Dr. Fauci aren't going to promote the science. They're going to promote a, a model of submission that it's more important that everyone submit to the government and be vaccinated and not think about it individually. But in India and other countries that are very populous without enough vaccine, if you waste the vaccine on people who have already gotten it, millions of people will die who could have been vaccinated otherwise. You know, people it's are mad at me. I'm telling everybody, and you're a medical doctor. I'm not. I tell people, take this seriously. Take protecting more vulnerable people. Ser take it seriously. You owe it to everybody to be careful. You need to do your own research, consult with your doctor or doctors, uh, and you need to make your decision in consultation with your doctor based on your unique medical condition, of which I know nothing about. Uh, is that sound advice, or should I play doctor on radio like people are, are urging me to do? And I'm very pro-vaccine. You know, I, I think it's sound advice, and people need to know that for the disease, there were less than 8,000 cases yesterday in America and a little over 100 deaths. This is extraordinary. We are in the process of conquering this through both vaccines and natural immunity, and so those are good things. If people haven't had it and haven't had the vaccine, I think the highest risk people are over 65, but I would also say over 40 and overweight is a risk category. And so Huge. people have to make their decisions, and they should talk to their doctor about it. And if you've already had it, you know, you can make a decision. You, you, there's a rational argument both for not taking a vaccine, but if you're over 65 and you're frail or you're over 75 and you're frail and you want to take the vaccine again, you know, that's a, a reasonable, rational decision, too. But, you know, I got five death threats this week and, and white powder sent to my house just because I, I said that. that I wasn't going to be vaccinated. Really, five death threats. We've had the FBI visit one of them already. So five death threats in one week simply because I'm having a rational, reasonable discussion about you, whether... And you happen to be a medical paper. doctor who had COVID. It's not like you're ignorant on the topic. Uh, anyway, we got to run. Uh, Senator Rand Paul, thank you as always. 800-941-SEAN is our number. Uh, when we come back, we're going to get to the our, your phones. A lot of reaction to this uh, Dalton school on masturbation for first graders. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 to the top of the hour. Toll free, it's 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. I'm, I'm, I'm getting inundated. People just cannot and rightly cannot believe. They, they Look, the New York school system is an unmitigated disaster. You know, there was one experiment with an all-girls public school in New York City. And the New York Civil Liberties Union, I believe it was them, they sued to stop it. The parents loved it. The kids loved it. St you know, the students loved it. The teachers loved it. The results were phenomenal. And then they want to stop it because it's, quote, unfair. 
I mean, welcome, welcome to New York. Why, why, why ever capitulate to the teachers' unions? Uh, you know, teachers' unions have so much power; they even control the CDC and write policy over health. Um, all because of the monies, massive amount of money that they give to Democrats during elections to keep them in power, and they're beholden to the teachers' union, and I call it an unholy alliance. You know, now you've got this this prestigious private school and getting into these New York private schools. I, I only know people that tell me the stories about it. It's not anything I dealt with in my life. Uh, my kids are now older, thank God. Um, I thought it was bad when they were at school. Should have heard the conversation when there was a teacher that wanted to show earth in the balance in my son's science class. It didn't go particularly well for the teacher. Let me put it that way. Um, but I was, no, I was nice about it, Linda, in my own way. I was fairly nice anyway. So this issue comes out about the prestigious Dalton school about masturbation videos for first graders and school administrators are saying, no, no, they, they are misinterpreting what their health and wellness educator, uh, Justine Angfante, who last month led a controversial explicit porn literacy workshop at another elite prep school was actually teaching so the post obtained a video of the cartoon that this fonte used in one class sex ed uh, classes for six year olds six years old showing little kids talking about touching themselves for pleasure and then going on well hey you know how come sometimes my beep, a male body part, gets big and sometimes points in the air? Asked the little boy in the cartoon, leading to an explanation of what that is. The boy nods and says, sometimes I touch my beep and it feels good. Little girl character chimes in, sometimes when I'm in my bath and when my mom puts me to bed, I can't even, I, I can't even say all this. Because I know that, the, you know, we're sort of a family-friendly friendly show. I mean, we kind of push the limits some days. I, let me just play it for you again. And I, I need you to understand something. I'm, I'm torn. I voted to play the whole thing unedited. And my team, you know, urged me to consider that there might be people that don't catch the warning that I'm giving. I'm about to... Air something that might be controversial for your kids and that kids may end up hearing. I, I'm not a, I'm not looking to shock people. That part of my career is long over. You know, we've we've moved to another stage of maturity in our in our radio evolution. Anyway, so there there are bleeps in this. You're gonna be able to figure out what it is, but just some admonition and warning if you have young kids in the car, but this is for six-year-olds, for, this is for first graders. Anyway, ma basically masturbation videos for kids, first graders. Listen. Pass it, Squeaks. Whoa, watch it. You almost hit me in the pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> What's so funny, you two? He said pee-pee. <laughs> <laughs> Do you notice that when you say pee-pee, you giggle, but when you say you say it in a serious voice? I never noticed that before. 
Some children and adults feel uncomfortable when they talk about their private parts, so they make up cute or funny names for them. What's one for a girl's private parts? <laughs> <laughs> But what does Scoops mean when he says He means That's right, Kayla. It's important to use the proper words for our private parts. Why? Because our private parts are just as amazing as our hearts, lungs, brains, or any other of our amazing body parts. But our hearts pump blood, our lungs breathe, and our brains think. All our private parts do is pee! That's not entirely true, Scoops. It is true that a person pees or urinates through a hole called the u in the Does everyone have a They do. It can be harder to see, but girls have a tiny hole in the front of the where urine comes out from their Urination is actually very important. It helps us get rid of waste, stuff our body doesn't need. Hey, how come my gets big sometimes and points up in the air? That's called an Sometimes I touch my because it feels good. Sometimes when I'm in my bath or when mom puts me to bed, I like to touch my too. You have a there, Kayla, that probably feels good to touch the same way Keith's feels good when he touches it. But have you ever noticed that older kids and grown-ups don't touch their private parts in public? Hmm, they don't? That's right, Keith. It's okay to touch yourself and see how different body parts feel, but it's best to only do it in private. Well, if private parts are so special, why do you cover them up? Because they are private, silly. That's right, Kayla, because they are private. Hey, Squeaks, pass it. Wait. Okay, I'm ready. I mean, that's for first graders. They're also taught lessons about consent. While one mother concluded, uh, conceded that teaching the concept of consent can be valuable in protecting children from abuse, another said telling kids that their own parents or grandparents shouldn't touch them without first asking for permission is a little bit extreme. Literally, parents are supposed to say to their kids, may I hug you? I mean, one one mother quoted as saying, I'm paying $50,000 a year to these a-holes to tell my kid not to let their grandfather hug them when they see them. Then they've got also lessons for first graders as gender uh, assigned at birth, gender identity, gender expression. Kids have no less than... Five classes on gender identity. One mother called it pure indoctrination. And this person has no, absolutely should not be teaching children. I mean, it's, you know, ironically, she teaches about consent, yet they never got consent from parents about sexually explicit and age inappropriate material about transgender to first graders. We're furious at another mother. We're horrified to learn that sixth graders and, and or first Graders, six-year-olds, are being taught without our consent. It's hard to fight back because you'll get canceled, meaning you'll get thrown out of school. These schools are hard to get into. Then you're stuck in the public schools, which is as bad or worse, usually worse in terms of educational opportunities. Um, it's pretty unbelievable. Anyway, uh, the school has said, oh, only a small group of parents are complaining. That's not true at all. I know for a fact that's a lie. You know, we're not going to, you know, some parents complain, but they misinterpreted the content. They're not misinterpreting it. You can see the videos. We're not confused. Last week, the Post reported on Fonte's workshop, Porn Literacy, 
and intersectional focus on mainstream porn at Columbia Grammar and Preparatory School. Grammar School. Anyway, the part of it, it's, you know, co-ed kids and uh, how porn takes care of three big male vulnerabilities. I can't even... (laughs) I mean, how far can I go with this? Do you really want me to go through with this? I, I, it's, I think you get the idea. And a lot of parents rightly are outraged about it. Then you have a United Nations agency saying that pornography is fine for kids. Well, how about the parents teach these values? Especially considering that most kids in New York City public schools, they don't even, they can barely read, write, and do math. They... The member of the group from the U.N. UNICEF, apparently they're now promoting a report that makes the case that porn makes some kids happy. Fighting for kids' right to see porn. I'm glad they're so concerned. 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. Julie's in New York. You're not sending your kids to Dalton, are you? Hi, Sean. How are you? I'm good. Um, How are you? I, I'm still dealing with the math, but, you know, hearing about this, my first grader hasn't mentioned any of this, but I completely disagree with something like that being taught at school. You know, these kids. Does your kid go to Dalton or do you even want to say? No, he, he's not in that district. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that comes this direction with the way things are going over here um, in upstate New York. But. It's appalling. I don't think kids need to be taught at that age, you know. I mean, when you're older, that's one thing. Because you have some families, like I grew up, my parents really never talked about that kind of stuff. So I did learn stuff at school. But I was also, you know, 13, 12, 13 years old. Seven and eight, and that's ridiculous. I mean, these kids are already confused enough with common core math. And now you want to start labeling all these different body parts and what does this and what does that. And, oh, you know, if you know, if you want to touch yourself, that's fine. Like, I'm sorry. I'm just not on board with that at all. And I, We're and I know We're talking about my... six-year-old kids here. Yeah, We're not it, even it, talking it, about it, teenagers. And even it, then, it, it, frankly, it's, it's the parents' job. It's, uh, if, the, if the schools can't teach reading, writing, and math, now why would we trust them with sex ed? Oh, I, I, I agree completely. It is not something at that age that needs to be discussed at all at, at school. Math and reading, that should be the focus. You know, gym, art. How about those? Let them be kids while they can still be kids. There's lots of times. And, you know, even with the transgender stuff, you know, and I have friends that are gay and, and that are lesbians, and I support their choices. But I don't support children being allowed to want to say they're transgender or this and that at such a young age. Because, you know, the brain isn't even developed. The, the front of the brain isn't developed, I think, until late, you know, early, late teens, early 20s. And, to make those kinds of decisions, you know, wh- where are we going? I mean, are they going to try to incorporate more pushing off this transgender idea? I mean, we've got PBS that now has a, a kid show, a, a drag queen show, something like that. I think it was some kind of something. I don't know. But, uh, no, the place at home is for parents. If they want to, you know, tell their kids, hey, this is what this is called or this is what that is called, that's their business. Well, I'll tell you what, why don't they have like an opt-in policy? Where if parents after school want to opt their kids into a curriculum, at least they get an opportunity to learn what the curriculum is. And maybe they're uncomfortable talking about such topics with their kids. And if they want the school to do it and the kids want they want to opt the kids in. And how about we spend the rest of the day on the basics? I think that's a fair compromise. I think that is. I, I agree. It should be an option. Um 
it is Fine. Be I opt out. Parent. If I had kids, I'd opt out. Exactly. Same here. It should be. It's, you know, my child, my choice. It goes for a lot of things, you know, and uh, I- I'm not on board with children at that age being taught that kind of information. I don't blame you. I really don't. Thank you, Julie. All right, back to our busy phones. Uh, Jim also in New York. What's up, Jim? How are you? Good, sir. How are you? I'm good. What's going on? Uh, I just wanted to say thank you to all of our vets. You know, uh, I've talked to so many of them, and I cannot tell you how proud I am to be American. And I'm very thankful for my uncle, which he gave his life for this wonderful country that we are so blessed to have. And he died in 51. He was just 21 years old. And now he's, of course... Of course, now he's buried in Arlington, and he served right underneath General MacArthur. Listen, I didn't really realize that at the time. My dad served four years in the Pacific, and he survived, but he lost friends in the Pacific and the conflict. And he never wanted to talk about it. I mean, never. He Hmm. did not want to talk about it. And 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 now I understand why. Yes, um, it's like I said. It's I'm. I talked to a gentleman. He served in the Vietnam War, and uh, he was amazing gentleman. He's originally from Cuba. His parents came over from Cuba to the America, and he grew up American for most of all of his life, just about. And he told me, "All I just want to do is just give back. I am so thankful to be American, and this is not the first." Uh, person I've talked to from Cuba, they got interesting stories. They, but they came in the right way. But I am so appreciative of this country, and I thank you, Sean, for everything you do. You are a huge blessing. Well, and I just you're very to say, kind. They're the, they're the, but you know what? Memorial Day reminds us. Enjoy your long holiday. No, it reminds us. You know, everybody gave so much so that I could be free to pursue my dreams. You could pursue yours. Everybody listening can pursue theirs. And it's just, you don't have to be, just take a moment occasionally and honor them as you're describing. It's a great point. Good call. Thank you, Jim. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, News Roundup and Information Overload Hour, 800-941-SEAN, our number if you want to be a part of the program, the defund, dismantle madness. Now it continues around the country. We, we just keep bringing you story after story after story. In San Francisco, a cop had to be rescued by bystanders after a brazen attack was caught on video. The Asian officer responding to a call, Asian-American officer responding to a call of an individual who was making racially motivated threats, and the suspect identified, according to reports, surveillance video shows the officer ordering a man in the video to put his hands on his head. The man appears to comply, but when asked if he had any weapons in his possession, he becomes violent. The man in the video then tries to overpower the officer, wrestles the officer to the ground. Bystanders, thankfully, rushed in to assist the officer. Guy was apparently a pretty big guy, wasn't letting go. Quote, he had a death grip on her and would not let her go, said Michael Waldorf, who had just finished eating dinner with his family, when he thankfully jumped in to help. According to KGO-TV out there, I, I saw it as an emergency. She needed our help, and she needed it right away. That's just one case. 
New York City, we have a video. We'll show you tonight. Brutally, a woman who's hit in the face. She's 55 years old, knocked unconscious in Chinatown in New York. Literally, you know, brutally slugging a 55-year-old woman in the face and uh, carrying a bag, walking down the street. Man in, in a, quote, hoodie appears in the frame, walks up to the woman, hits her as hard as he possibly can in the face. The woman's hat flies off. She's sent reeling backwards, slumps down against the column of an outdoor dining structure. Uh, what did you hit me for? The man seems to say to a passerby. Why did you hit me in a crowd of then appears, you know, around the motionless woman who's knocked unconscious now out in uh, Kansas City and, and in Missouri. You have the attorney general has been outspoken on these defund the police efforts. The police department governed by a Kansas City uh, police commissioners. They're members appointed by the governor. The mayor gets a seat on the board. The city council had little say over the department aside from approving the budget. And uh, anyway, it's now escalated with a no consequences. Biden sitting in the Oval Office, as he's saying, and the first measure would amend the fiscal year t budget to fund the department, uh, you know, 20 percent or some forty four million dollars minimum. The city general uh, fund revenue which is the lowest the city can devote to police funding under Missouri law. So they're defunding there. Anyway, Quentin Lucas announcing the plan to remove money from the police budget. Listen to this. We're introducing two ordinances today with myself and eight co-sponsors, all of the council members in the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth districts. And the ordinances will do the following. Ordinance one will reduce the Kansas City Police Department budget to the statutorily required amount. Ordinance 2 will then create a separate fund known as the Prevention and Community Services Fund. And it allows in that ordinance the city manager to negotiate a contract not to exceed $47 million. If you've been doing the math, that is actually just about the amount that was cut in Ordinance 1. That $47 million, i.e. not to exceed, is funding that we would like to see spent on things like prevention, intervention, the root causes of violent crime. Why do we care about all of those? Well, what we're doing right now ain't working. It's not just an answer enough to say get more law enforcement. Last year, during Operation Legend, we brought hundreds of federal agents to Kansas Not we. The federal government sent hundreds of federal agents to Kansas City, and we still broke a homicide record. We still had too many non-fatal shootings in Kansas City. We had too many challenges along the way. So what is this and what is this not? If you're following along, this is not defunding the police. What this is, is actually increasing accountability for the first time in 80 years for the Kansas City Police Department and the Kansas City Council and the Kansas City Mayor. All right. The Attorney General Eric Schmidt of Missouri is with us, an outspoken uh, critic of these defund and dismantle efforts in Missouri. You know, explain in real terms what this means for, means for Kansas City and what it means for Missouri at large. Well, listen, these defund the police efforts that are happening right now in Kansas City and in St. Louis, the two biggest metro areas in Missouri, are reckless and irresponsible. You've got now the rhetoric that had been heard uh, for well over a year, now a reality here in the heartland. I mean, they're moving budgets. They're moving millions of dollars away from the police budget in Kansas City. Um, and Kansas City last year had an all-time high in homicides, and violent crime continues to surge in Kansas City. In St. Louis, Sean, 
they're moving millions of dollars away. Also, Congresswoman Cori Bush celebrated it. I mean, she's on Twitter celebrating defund efforts. Um, they've eliminated 100 police officer positions in St. Louis when they were 150 short. They're short police officers in Kansas City, and they're moving to defund the police there. And so no matter what kind of spin they put on this, this is an effort uh, to genuflect to the radical left and defund police departments. We need to put in more money behind the men and women of law enforcement, getting more boots on the ground to help communities who are really struggling with violent crime. And that's the exact opposite of what's happening right now in Missouri and the two big cities. All right. So now what was the budget? And now going to the bare minimum allowed by law, what is that going to result in? It's cutting millions of dollars out. And what you're hearing from the mayor is this idea that they somehow want to regain control of that police department. Well, that's a statutory change. That's a statutory change that can go to the state legislature because there is oversight from the state on that police budget, precisely, by the way, to prevent things like this from happening. And where you have local progressive majorities really moving to defund. And this is on top, Sean, of what you're seeing across the country with retirements. Um, you're already hundreds of police officers short in both St. Louis and Kansas City that are dealing with record violent crime and record homicides. And somebody asked me just a couple of weeks ago, what, is, what keeps you up at night as the state's chief law enforcement officer? And for me, it's all the men and women who are choosing never to go into law enforcement. I mean, we need to have their support. In, in that clip, or they need to have our support. In that clip that you played, too, about Operation Legend, that was incredibly effective. Our office participated with the Trump administration last year. I think they selected 10 cities. St. Louis and Kansas City were two of those cities. And we had lawyers in our office working side-by-side side with federal prosecutors prosecuting violent criminals who were being arrested and detained um, by federal law enforcement. That was to fill in the gap of a lot of the needs that we have right now. And so they need to be putting more money in law enforcement, not less. This is taking away millions and millions of dollars in each city where they're already short. I mean, this is really reckless and irresponsible, and I'm very concerned about what you know lies ahead this summer and beyond. Well, I, I think we, we need to be, and but this is happening now all across the country. I'm, what I'm having a hard time coming to grips with, polls are now showing that Americans in larger and larger numbers, they, they don't want this madness. They're rejecting this madness. And, and interestingly, you know, minority uh, neighborhoods, when presented with polling and are asked specifically this question, they don't want this. They stand against the criminal element, period, end of sentence. And how could you not? Because you're talking about safety and security. You can't pursue happiness, Mr. Attorney General, in my view, if you don't have law and order and safety and That's security right. in every town, yeah, in every city. The hierarchy, of need, the hierarchy of needs, right? You have to feel safe. And people, by the way, deserve to feel safe. These kinds of proposals do a real injustice uh, to citizens and particularly to victims. And not just polling, Sean. Actually, a few years ago in St. Louis, <clears throat> St. Louis City is about 300,000 people in a St. Louis region of about 3 million. So St. Louis City is, has been shrinking. It doesn't have as many people as people actually think. The region's pretty large. But um, in North City, which is predominantly African-American, in North St. Louis City, there was a proposal a few years ago about increasing funding for police. You want to know what wards or what jurisdictions had the highest percentage of support for those measures to support law enforcement? It was those North City wards, those predominantly African-American wards had been you know, really um, 
had the the epicenter of violent crime in St. Louis. They want the kind of support that they deserve. Victims deserve that. Citizens deserve that. Uh, and that's why these proposals from these progressives who gain power in some of these cities are so reckless. It really does a disservice um, to African Americans uh, in those in those areas and into the community at large. Quick break. More with the Attorney General Eric Schmidt of Missouri on the other side. Then we'll get to your calls. Final half hour. We'll also get back to this insanity at this private school in New York. Uh, yeah, teaching first graders about masturbation. Yeah, videos included. All right, as we continue, the Attorney General Eric Schmidt of Missouri is with us. I gotta, I gotta tell you something. It, if people don't understand the ramifications of this, it this is never going to end well. And you now see it when we have to have cops rescued by c- civilians, you know, honorable people that have put their own life at risk to save a cop because, you know, people have free reign to just attack the police pretty much in every city. Uh, it's never going it, to it's not a good situation. There is an emboldened attitude among the criminal community. And even to this day, the reason police reform might die in D.C., is over this ridiculous notion that they'll remove indemnification for police officers. Policing, then, as we know it, ends. It will cease to exist because every criminal will sue personally every cop that's ever involved in any arrest. And no cop will be able to afford the lawyers needed and necessary to defend themselves. So then nobody will go into policing. It'll end policing as we know it. Well, you've, you've actually also seen, Sean, there was a piece in the Wall Street Journal over the weekend about some of these progressive cities actually reversing course now. Like, you know, they've heard from the citizens, and they're putting more money in their budgets. Unfortunately, here in Missouri with St. Louis and Kansas City, they didn't get the memo. And to your point, we have to have men and women of law enforcement feel supported. I mean, one of the things we do in our office, we have a Back the Blue Award, and we go around the state in honoring acts of courage. Um, And it can be from just that, you know, good police officer that's helping a kid with a lemonade stand, raising money for a charity, or in those more um, serious situations, going above and beyond to save people's lives. And I just think it's really important for us to make them know, the law men and women of law enforcement who do dangerous work, know that they are appreciated, because that's not what they hear um, a lot of times on the streets. And it's not what they hear from progressive activists. It's not what they hear from Democrat politicians who want to defund those departments. And I think it's important for all of our voices to be heard and make sure they know that they're supportive because they are. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you being with us. Thank you, sir. 800. Keep up the good work. Attorney General Eric Schmidt of uh, Missouri. Now, we, we mentioned earlier in the program, you know, it was Memorial Day weekend and, you know, Kamala Harris is, oh, hope you have a great long weekend. And I'm like, huh? Okay, now, Ron DeSantis kind of schooled. There was a good piece on Red State about this. Both Joe Biden and Kamala Harris in the middle of um, uh, of of all of this. How do you miss the point of the holiday? You know, apparently we had to remind our president and vice president that there's a reason that we had a long weekend. And, and I mentioned this last week. I said, you know, at some point we all need to stop and reflect and and think of and be grateful for all of the sacrifice of so many so that we can have the the good lives that we that we all enjoy and often take for granted every day you know i will tell you there wasn't there there, there wasn't hardly a dry eye in the house 
and it was 150,000 people at the Indy 500, and they played taps, and you could, you could hear a pin drop with a crowd that massive. Look, just here's a reminder. What a difference. 800-941-SEAN. It's our toll-free telephone number. It's kind of hard sometimes to just think for a minute and really appreciate. You know, we, we don't wake up every day and say, ah, we live free. No, we go about our daily business, whine and bitch and moan and groan and complain. And then, But when you do think and those quiet moments of the price paid for liberty and freedom and the blessings of liberty, he realized the cost was high, very high, for so many that bravely took up that mantle to give us the greatest gift of all. Quick break, right back. All right, 25 now to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free number. If I, let, if I let Linda go off on this Dalton School issue that we've been discussing all day, I, I don't think I can put you on the air for this. Because you're going to yeah, lose no, your mind. Yeah, no, definitely not. You you can't, you will lose it. Am I, am I right or wrong? And by the I way, I, under, it, I understand your fury. I, re, I, I cannot believe we're even discussing this. Yeah, but this is all the time. This is it now. Like, every week I have to write an email to the schools to tell them, please don't teach my child X. It's I, I mean, nightmare. how is, how did we get here? You know, anyway. It's a very, very scary time that makes zero sense to me. I kind of feel like I'm in some sort of, strange vortex where what's up is down what's down is up what's left is right what's right is left sometimes it's just straight down the middle things are just what they are if someone were to teach my child or talk to him about his private area you know we have, we've had this talk you know my son is five and i say to him nobody's allowed to touch your private parts except for the doctor when i'm there and when mommy or mom are giving you a bath that's it other than that it's off limits and he's like okay mommy and that's the end of the conversation I don't need to go into all He's this other five stuff. years He's old. Five. I mean, this is targeting kids Liam's age. I mean, I yeah. mean, I honestly feel them. sorry for you and parents that have kids your age. I'm so glad I'm an old person. I really am. And you know what else is really sad is that when you look at them, right, these children, they're so innocent. They care about like four things, right? That they get French fries, that they can play with or their McDonald's, toys. Happy Meals. Or McDonald's Happy Meals in some places where parents are more liberal than myself. And, uh, you know, that they can play with their toys. And that's, like, essentially it. Like, okay. my son so you, is not you, worried about critical race theory. So you think you're a liberal theory. if you give your kid a Happy Meal? Seriously? Yeah, I do. <laughs> you think it's a liberal thing? Yeah. I think that, you, you know, I think that keeping your child healthy is really important. Okay. A Happy it's Meal. It's just my opinion. You're never going to get Liam a Happy Meal, ever. 
I have no doubt that he will have a happy meal in his I didn't life. Ask you if I will not be the one giving thought it to he would him. Have one. I, I'm asking, you will never buy him a happy meal. Mommy, please, can we stop at McDonald's? I want a happy meal. I want to be happy. I'll get him Chick-fil-A. Oh, my gosh. I'm just saying. Oh, my gosh. I What's wrong with Chick-fil-A? Uh, Chick-fil-A is fine. I love Chick, Chick-fil-A. They, they have, have a toys. tremendous, tremendous chicken soup. I, no, I, listen, I'm big into Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A. I love all, by the way, I love all fast food. Let's be honest about it. Look, true, McDonald's isn't what it used to be, okay? Their fries are not what they used to be when I was Yes, they are. They're no, just they're the not. same as they've always been. Nope. You're out of your mind. Maybe your tastes have changed, but I'm telling you, those First fries are First of all, awesome. we can't go by I'm you. Mr. You e. would healthy? like a salt stick. I mean, like, really. The amount of salt you put on fries, it's not even fries. It's just salt with a little bit of potato. No, that's not true. Yes, it is. It's, it's not it's that totally bad. I'm true. bad, but I'm not that bad. Okay, then. Oh, my gosh. My you want good, you want good waffle fries? Go to Shake Shack. Better than McDonald's. Shake Shack. I'm, listen, I'm not paying with Shake Shack. I like all the places. My favorites, though, are, are McDonald's and Wendy's, and I'm a big fan of White Castle and In-N-Out Burger and Crown Burger, but although we haven't been out in forever, you know, I think... Uh, I, don't, I I just can't believe you you you're just so anti being normal because that's what it First sounds of all, like to me. I, I am mean, not like, anti being normal. In fact, I'm all about my kid being normal. I'm all about my kid having a normal childhood and doing normal childhood things and letting him make decisions about what he eats and what he wants to read and what he wants to learn about when he's old enough to do that. And that's not five. Oh my gosh! I don't know. It's I, just I, not. What has happened to my staff? I'm losing them day by well, day. No, I've been like this the whole time. I didn't say I didn't like McDonald's. They've just they're they've fallen off. They're no longer no, they the kings of the ring. Off. Their, their fries have not changed in in the all the years. There's a reason it's a multi multi billion dollar company because the food is great. It's not good to eat all the time, but when you're on the road or whenever you want to, you know, go down the path of fast food. I mean, they're perfect and yes. they're everywhere. Anyway, let's get to our phones. Uh, let's say hi to Jerry is in Florida. What's up, Jerry? How are you? Well, Sean, I, I just arrived here on Sunday, packed up from Portland, Oregon, and moved out to Florida. I couldn't stand the liberal wackos any longer. I, I just simply cannot live there any longer. I'm a, I'm a third-generation Oregonian, and I'm so flippin' disgusted with it that I, I had to get out and... Uh, and anyway, I'm I'm thrilled to be here, and uh, I'll be starting a business here soon, and uh, similar to what I do back in uh, Oregon. But I'm going to tell you though, there's one bright shining object in the sky about this whole COVID thing, though. That I wanted to point out, and that is all the people that had to move to working from home instead of going to the office is going to destroy the socialist agenda of shutting down all of rural America, because I believe that the socialists have been trying to shut down farming, fishing, mining, logging, and anything that you can make a living out in the sticks, because the people who live out in the sticks don't vote their way. They get, and they drive the jobs. Do you see what's, have you been watching what's happening to, to beef and cattle ranchers and, and the hacking that took place and the potential ransom that is is being asked or requested and that might even be paid, like the Colonial Pipeline, they, they paid a ransom. No, I mean, it's I pretty scary out there. That. But um, my, my point, though, is that I think if they're going to do anything with infrastructure, it should be expanding the 
access to high-speed Internet because so many people can work from home, but they can't when, you know, the fastest Internet in some rural areas is like two megabytes of upload speed on HughesNet, uh, you know, you know, satellite. And, you know, that takes forever to send a big file or whatnot. It's just not feasible for most people to work from their from their home. And if they could expand the Internet access, you would see a migration back away from the cities, back out into the country where people can live their own life without being dictated with every conceivable notion of how you're supposed to. I, I don't want to be crude, but, uh, you know, it's just uh, I'm, I'm telling you what's the divide is getting so great. I, you know, it's almost to the point that these differences are irreconcilable. And I worry about how that ends because, you know, you'd like to think that we could work through differences. How do you argue with with teachers in schools that want to teach your six year old about masturbation? How do you how do you resolve those that want no energy, no oil, no gas, no coal? How do you begin a conversation with with people that want to confiscate all wealth and redistribute it and implement the failed policies of socialism? You know, how, how do I you agree. implement? I, I mean, the, I don't understand where the the area of compromise can be. And I'm looking at this as objectively as I can. I don't see it. No. And, you know, I uh, or defund I the police. That- How do you argue with people like that? No, we want to defund the police. OK, you go defund the police. I'll go live somewhere else. Right. And it's you know, it's the, it's the liberals that live in uh, the suburban communities who all are for the you know big city defunding of police. But out in the rural areas or the suburban areas, when they call 911, a cop will show up. What's some inner city mom supposed to get a call to? Uh, Ghostbusters or something. I think that was something Charles Barkley brought up, you know, several months back. And, you know, they, they're, they're so high and mighty, and, and they're so intolerant of anybody suggesting uh, that, you know, that, well, something like uh, arson and looting and whatnot is not a uh, uh, protest effort, you know, that's legitimate, that it's uh, got to be straightened out where, uh, you know, people have got to come to their senses again. And it's it's just crazy how the I don't you see the problem is I don't see that they're going to change. Now, you, you know, the antidote is always to go out there, come up with better ideas. The American people will not, look. I argue that a movement bigger than the Tea Party in 2010 is emerging. That that's what my hope is. That's what I think. That's what I see and feel. And and this is just my gut instinct. Having done this for thirty three years, and I think it's gonna. Right. I I think the results will speak for themselves in twenty twenty two. I I can't get ahead of myself to twenty twenty four. But um, I, th- th- this is such. These are such radical ideas. These are such differences. As I say, you know, Jerry. It's how do you reconcile these very critical, crucial issues? Those that won't obey or enforce the laws of on immigration, for example, or defunding the police, another example, or or those yeah. that you know want complete full redistribution of wealth and wealth confiscation. I don't I don't know where the compromise is here. I mean, it's so polarized right now. 
um, or a justice system that we have a dual justice system, one that that politicizes and criminalizes even political differences. And at the end of the day, you're dealing with Marxist, leftist, statist, socialists, you know, whatever, whatever phrase you want to apply to this, it's it's accurate. But I don't see about half the country willing to go along with it and that find it all revolting. You know, how, how do you argue with people that want to teach their kids in first grade about masturbation and show the masturbation videos? How do you do that? I don't know. I mean, if that's what you want to teach your kid, go ahead. Leave me alone. Leave my kids alone. It's um, these yeah. are tough times. Hang in there. You made a smart move. You moved to Florida. You got the hell out. Uh, let's say hi to Jay is in Pennsylvania. What's up, Jay? Glad you called, sir. Hi, Sean. How's my Irish brother doing? Ah, get Irish hi. brother. A wee bit of the, <laughs> the, the island is in me. What's going on, sir? Hey, Sean, my grandfather, John Patrick Mahoney, told me when I was very young, he goes, Jay, what can't you buy? And I says, Pat, you can buy anything. You can buy people. He says, you can't buy time. So you could be the richest man on earth. And you cannot stop that clock. And first of all, before I want to talk to you about what I wanted to talk to you about. Well, the Bible actually says to... who, who by thought can add one minute to their life or one second even. You can't. We're not in control right. of that part. But anyhow, Sean, I just want to thank you because people don't realize how much of your time, no matter how much you make, that you give up for show prep. How much time you give up that you have given up in the last 33 years for your kids, your wife things you like to do. So from every veteran, first of all, I wanted to talk to you Friday, but I couldn't get in. I just want to thank you for every veteran that's in the United States for spending your time getting the word out, because time is priceless, like John Patrick Mahoney taught me as a very young age. And my, my dad's last name is Larkin, so Mahoney and Larkin are talking to you. I just want to thank you, buddy. Because you spend a lot of your time. Listen, I, and, I, and- I really can't accept this accolade or the, this bit of praise. I'll tell you why. You know, I didn't get into radio for money. I made no money when I started. My first paid job was 19000 a year with no hope of a future. Trust me, this is not a business that that your odds of success are really high at, to be frank. And for me, it's an honor to do this every day. Now, do I have to work anymore? I'll be very frank. The answer is no. But I, to me, it's it's I I feel compelled to do this as long as you'll let me, and that's my answer. It's a it's an honor to be here every day. The and the prep is just you know part of a job, the job, and and you know the people that know me best actually shudder at the idea that one day that I'm not doing it. Linda, what is the consensus of all of my best friends in life and everybody that works for me if I stop working? You'll walk around talking to yourself? I'll walk around talking to myself. Now, you could either have a crazy guy that used to be a talk show host talking to himself, or you give me the the microphone every day so that doesn't happen to me. It's really in your hands. All Irish people talk to themselves. They just don't answer themselves. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, you you can only say that on this show because we could actually laugh. You know know what an Irish seven-course meal is, right? Six-pack and something else. A six pack and a potato. Yes. 
And I'm not offended when people tell Irish jokes. They're usually pretty funny and half accurate. Well, I got to run only because for the constraints of time, you're a good man. God bless you. And and to everybody that has served this great nation, we can never repay you or thank you enough. And I'm not in that league. Thank you, sir. Our friends at CBDistillery.com, they have products now. If you want to get away from those heavy-duty uh, hard-hitting pharmaceuticals, and you're looking for natural, healthy alternatives that work, well, millions now swear by CBDistillery.com. One is her own, Linda. Uh, she takes her happy pills from CBD to help her relax and chill out. I wish it was, she would take them earlier in the day is my only problem. You take Well, you only take them at noon. Why don't you, well, I mean, well why now don't I guess I have to take them all day. At, since At 6 p.m. when the show's over, I would prefer you being happy earlier in the day. <laughs> Well, I think now that they want to indoctrinate my, our children, I'm going to have to start taking them, uh, you know, on an hourly basis because I feel like my <laughs> blood pressure is going to put me through the roof. I loaded up Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, on the Fox News Channel, including, yes, we'll show you the new sex videos for first graders that probably, you know, I'm going to be fighting the rest of the night with about editing or not editing. Uh, also, Senator Ron Johnson. Now we've got video of, uh, yeah, Joe Biden meeting with the foreign business dealers of uh, Zero Experience Hunter. We'll get to that. Senator John Kennedy and Kaylee McEnany, Mike Huckabee, Leo Larry, both will join us. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News. Please set your DVR. We'll see you tonight. Back here tomorrow with news you won't get from the mob. Thanks for being with us.